It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon from JCW's here in Provo for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and seen on BYU Football Facebook Live today. We're talking special teams and defense with special teams coordinator at Lamb and Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's D.C., coming up in the second half hour. So we get right into it with Coach Lamb, BYU's special teams coordinator, assistant head coach, and safeties coach. And uh, BYU coming into this week, uh, Coach, after a uh, uh, loss at Mississippi State to BYU's sixth straight setback. And these are... Uh, these are uncharted waters uh, for BYU football going back a number of years. How much does that aspect of it alone kind of weigh on people at this point? Uh, I, I know it weighs on everybody. There's no coaching guy on the coaching staff. There's no player on the team that didn't come here in part because of the understood legacy that we would be representing. And so to uh, you know to not be living up to our our expectations and the expectations of our of our fans and each other, you know, it, it feels like. Uh, it feels like a lot of weight on our shoulders right now, and I, I don't, I can't see any player on our team or any coach that would be an exception to that statement. Could anyone have foreseen struggles to this extent, knowing what you had coming into the year? Well, I don't think I don't think there's any athlete or coach that uh, that that really could could foresee that on a team. I think possibly a a consultant or somebody who wasn't emotionally invested, um, you know, maybe can maybe can pick out some deficiencies and risks and things like that. But I think, you know, as coaches and players, we we must gear ourselves up to work as hard as we can to win every week. There's got to be a belief there to win or it's or it's not even worth being around the building. What of this one and six start can you look back and use as a mitigating circumstance or circumstances that led you to where you are? Um, well, it's it. I, I would not. Uh, I would not characterize it as a circumstance. I don't. I don't know that I can. I can re- reasonably answer that question. The, uh, uh, the the closest I can come to it is that um, you know, quite simply, we we failed. We failed as uh, as coaches to prepare our players to be ready to win um, in the in the fashion that we should be winning. So um, if that's a, it, I, I guess I guess that is a circumstance. The, the circumstances are we've we've failed. We've failed so far. From a personnel health standpoint, can that be looked at as a consideration? Because it's a it's a fact that people you've counted on to play and play well for you haven't been there week in week out. Um, it's a challenge that every every coaching staff goes through. It's um, you know, those who deal with injuries best as coaches. Um, they find a way in practice, well, in recruiting, to have the depth necessary to overcome any injury situation and then find a way in practice to prepare the next best guys and uh, that can in a season like this uh, with the with the number of injuries we've had then that could be and should be perhaps um, taking taking red shirts off of young players just always making sure that we have our best 11 guys out there to represent BYU and and again at, at this point the analysis is win or loss and we've lost and therefore we failed in that way to overcome the challenges that every team has with injuries whether BYU or any team, the quarterback position is going to be a focal point of any success or failure. And uh, the uncertainty maybe week to week has been a, a common component maybe as you've gone over these last number of weeks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's uncertainty, there's adjustments, and, and that's, again, just going back to the, the coaching piece of it, that's, that's our job. That's our part 
of our role. We are part of the team. We consider ourselves part of the team. We want to model excellence. We want to, we want to model preparation. And our part is not what we do between the lines on Saturday. Um, our part is preparing the guys to do the right thing between the lines on Saturdays. How much? How better was Tanner one week to the next able to go from, uh, say, the Boise State game to Mississippi State? I, I thought he improved uh, significantly. I, it, my my experience with quarterbacks is, is really to look at their demeanor, confidence um, in, in the pocket, on the sideline, before the game, at halftime. And I felt like that he had taken a significant step from the previous week to this week. And uh, I feel like, you know, if, if anything, um, the injury, if it's holding something back right now, um, it's the fact that he missed some time. And therefore, at this point in the season where we should be in terms of understanding what he does do well, what he doesn't do well, uh, formulating the game plan and uh, the ten guys around him to toward his strengths. If anything, that's that's where we get behind. I think right now he's he's capable enough to be out there and move around enough to buy a little bit of extra time and be in the pocket. I wouldn't in any way blame any of our inefficiency right now on his injury. He had his moments in Starkville where he looked like the guy you expect him to be at quarterback. He did. Yep, he did. And we have to build on those. And um, and we we. We have determined for 123 other guys that he is gives us the best opportunity to win, and therefore we have to make that decision correct with victory. How's Joe Critchlow coming along as a backup? Oh, he's, yeah, Joe's, Joe's good. We have really high hopes for Joe in the future. Um, the, the decision by the, by the whole coaching staff really was, was unanimous. We feel like Tanner gives us the best opportunity to win. And uh, Ty's obviously gets the, you know, he has the most insight to that. He spends the most time with those guys. And so that, again, that becomes when we make that decision, we have to make that decision right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I like to say sometimes it's, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but there's, there's 100% truth in it. We have to do the thing that works every time. And, um, you know, so Tanner is the guy. He's the one we chose, and we have to make sure it works. You guys hoped that the ground game would work better than it did at Mississippi State to yeah. give you a more balanced attack. It didn't come to fruition that way. Yep, that's right. Yeah, we we, uh, we, we, didn't, we were not able to get our ground game going. There's just, you know, in, the, in football history, there's just not a lot of opportunities to win. If, uh, if the team's beaten on the ground, and we were beaten on the ground on both sides of the ball. It's been a long, long time since the team ran like that against BYU. Very uncommon to see someone really get off like that. But in the, at the end of the day, they had as many, they had more rushing plays than BYU had total plays. And just the inability for the offense to really be on the field enough has become kind of a, a common theme. That's right. Yeah, we, we defensively, the evaluation for us is usually about yards per rush attempt. And that's that's what we track and that's what we want to be good at. You know, it's it's not uh, you know the, the defensive um, the, the defense's analysis. We don't want to really be worried about how many plays we're on the field or whether our offense is, is working time of possession or field position or anything like that. Just control the things that we can control. And offensively, our, our staff and players are trained to do the same thing. And um, and the yards per rush were were well above where we need them to be. Uh, MSU is around six per carry. BYU is under two per carry. Uh, at six versus two, it's tough to, to win a game that way. That's right. Yeah, we, we want to be, you know, to play elite defense, it's under three yards a carry. And if you can keep it to somewhere around three yards a carry, then depending on how the rest of the game works out, then that, that's a, a reasonable 
a reasonable defensive effort. And for 10 of the last 11 seasons, BYU's rush defense has been between three and four yards per carry allowed and one season under three. And so, But if you're under four, you're putting yourself usually top 40, top half uh, in the country, FBS, and you've been there. BYU's been there for a long, long time that way. That's right, and that's where BYU should be. We have, uh, with our with our advantages that we have in recruiting and resources, uh, we, we should have the players and have the resources to have one of the top defenses in, in America every year, and that starts with rush defense. Without pinpointing every minuscule aspect of the game from Saturday, there was a point uh, late third quarter into fourth where they fumbled a kickoff return. You've got it deep in their territory, down 28-10. That goes to 28-17, and suddenly it feels like a different game, and it never got there. No, it didn't get there. The, um, the, the, the great thing is um, the, the life of the team, the life that the team showed right there, the excitement. On the sidelines was tremendous. Everybody was into it. We had, uh, you know, backup guys that were, you know, I could I could hear them and sense them and feel how, how much they were into the game. It is it can be so hard for a guy who's not in the game uh, to be in a season like this and lose game after game and not get, you know, we're not getting young guys into the game that should be getting playing time. Most teams have had uh, a couple of victories with a margin of victory where you can get some other guys in the game and they can feel like, okay, I might not be playing the role I want to play now. But I, I may in the future, and I'm getting a chance to show. And, and so just, just for a moment there to feel that, I hope that that's something that we can aspire to and, and build on, on that moment you know, and, and recognize that pivotal moment. We failed to, to convert right there and, and make it the game that it could have been, but there will be more moments like that in the weeks to come. And, and I hope that our players recognize that energy, that feeling, that intensity, that moment, and capitalize on it next time. Of those kinds of players you just referenced, maybe Akile Davis is one of those guys, and he recovers the fumble that I think Andrew Mickelson causes on that kickoff return. That's and, right. And, and fair enough to say he's one of those guys that could be in that mix you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tremendous job by Akile. He, so he was thrown in just seconds before that kickoff. We had uh, but an injury there um, just, just before that kickoff. And so Akile he was not playing that position to start the game. And um, and also earlier in the week, I, Andrew had kind of lagged back on one of our practice kickoffs, and he was about 20 yards behind the action. And I talked to him about we don't have any kickoff coverage players that are safeties. We are all aggressive to the football, and you're one of those 11 players. And uh, we have we have assignments. You know, we have some players that are first guys down, some guys that are second guys down. But he was lagging considerably behind, so he was right up in the thick of it. As soon as the runner broke that first line, he was right there to, to create the hit, put his face mask on the ball, and. Uh, Diane uh, Don Wuluku and, and Tanner Jacobson had also kind of laid out and got the guy tripping up a little bit, and then and then Andrew finished him off, got the ball on the ground, and Akile, from his assignment, which is a long way away from that particular play, just kept pursuing and was able to make a nice play. As special teams coach, then rewarding for a few days after a teaching moment with a kickoff guy, having him be involved in a play, and then someone you kind of throw into the mix respond. Yes. Yes, that's right. I mean, we're we're looking for we're looking for every small victory we can in practice, and we're we're looking to create competitive opportunities in practice that guys can enjoy winning and feel the sting of losing, and we feel like that that's uh, that's got to be a critical piece moving forward. Oftentimes, I think at this time of year, if you if a team's really rolling, you get away from a lot of contact in practice and away from a lot of competition in practice. It becomes more like walkthroughs most days, and we're 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 not at that point. We can't afford to be at that point, and there are pros and cons to not. Um, 
to not practicing that way at this point in the year. But but there's also got to be an assessment about where we're at as a team and, and how much we need to improve. No player or coach came into this season accustomed to this kind of sting of losing you just referenced. But uh, here you are at six straight. How has it been to keep the energy and confidence and optimism level where it needs to be for you to have the success you really need to have here in the final six? Well, a, a correction that I'm I'm not excited to make is I have I have experienced this type of futility. Uh, you know, I was co- when I was coaching at the University of Idaho, we had a terrible run, and uh, when, when and we were all uh, let go. And I know I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. Um, not not just to be you know unemployed and looking for a new job, but I know what it feels like um, for years to carry that, and I still carry it. All the things that I could have, should have done differently. And I hope my hope is anyway we don't we don't sit around and talk about this a, a locker room and a, a staff room is really not a place for um, emotions it's just not built that way so we don't sit around and talk about how we feel but uh, I know that that one of my biggest regrets I'm recognizing the situation that we're in right now is that we've not been able to do more to help the boys experience victory. That Idaho State uh, was Idaho, Idaho State, Idaho, Idaho yeah. uh, situation you're talking about. You say you carried it with you for. Um, a long time. Why and and what was the benefit of it? Um, I, well, I still I still do carry it with me. It's a it's one of the motivators. You know, like we get to know the players that we coach really on a personal level. We recruited them or and uh, and work with them on a day to day basis. We see them grow. We see their we see their aspirations. We feel their aspirations. Every time they have success, we have success. And when they have failure, we have failure. And um, you know, I was I was the youngest defensive coordinator in Division One football at that time, and that that was kind of. The, my uh, myself, what I was, what I valued myself on at that time. I thought, like, boy, I'm really, I've really got a great start to my career. But the reality is, I failed. I failed the boys and uh, failed the, to lead them to victory. And so that, there's no way to go back in time and to coach those guys again. But there's, there's a way to learn from that and recognize those situations. And and somewhere along the line, I became one of the older coaches on the staff. And so I just, I try to make sure and share that that what our responsibility is. It's not. You know, each week we have a personnel meeting, and we evaluate talent, and we make decisions on who plays and who doesn't play. But there needs to be a self-evaluation in there as well. And it's easy, very easy for coaches to get involved with decisions about who's playing well enough and who's not playing well enough to win. Bottom line is we're not coaching well enough to win right now. Ed Lamb is with us for this first half hour. We'd like to take your questions at hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYU for Coordinator's Corner. Coach Lamb with us till the bottom of the hour. Coach Tuiaki coming up at 1230. We're live at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Back in a minute. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, we are at JCW's for the Coordinator's Corner. Special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb with us till uh, the bottom of the hour. Coach Tuiaki coming up at 1230 to 1. Uh, to Twitter for some questions, hashtag CCBYU. This is kind of an overarching, maybe assistant head coach type question. Uh, Ryan Washburn asks, if Bo Hodges looked the best at quarterback until the injury, could he be the guy uh, going forward once he gets healthy? And you already said earlier that uh, Tanner gives you the best chance to win right now. Bo's not really in the mix because of health. When he gets back in, are we back into a weekly competition thing? Or uh, a new decision. I, I'm not sure that uh, that weekly competition is exactly the right way to phrase it. But but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think what you're saying is it's a new analysis at that point when he's healthy. And right now he's not. And that's a good that's a good question because Bo really did provide a, a much needed spark. 
and uh, we were we were absolutely rolling at the time when he uh, you know built a 21 to 7 lead the Utah State and BYU's best offensive game yardage and points came uh, up in Logan. Craig Hershey on the hashtag CCBYU says, uh, why is BYU having some trouble getting off the field on third and fourth downs in particular right now? And do you see the same thing? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship there with pass rush and, and coverage, and our, our pass rush needs to improve. Um, this week could be a real a real test of that. This team throws the ball well, but uh, you know, pass rush generally doesn't uh, get an opportunity to shine unless we're, you're stopping the run. And uh, and and when when a team can, you know, the, here are the three variables: if a team can stop the run, get the pass rush cranked up, and challenge in the secondary, then then you become a, a efficient pass defense. Right now, we're not an efficient pass defense. We have a question from Jeffrey Butler uh, with hashtag CCBYU. Uh, what's being done to help the players stay mentally tough? And which coach, if there is one, is the bad cop and pushes the team right now? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I don't, I don't think we have a bad cop. We're, we're oriented towards building players. Um, I've, I've, I know that that works. I've seen that work. That's my philosophy. Um, I, I think... Um, you know, the, the, a bad cop is only needed when laws are being broken. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing laws being broken. Um, on the occasion where they have been, uh, team team rules infraction. Every coach on our on our staff is the bad cop. But just because a player is losing or failing uh, to point the finger and yell and grimace or browbeat, um, that that's not what we're about. On the mental toughness part of his question, you've already talked about your job as coaches is to identify those who may not be displaying the appropriate level of toughness, especially in tough times. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mental toughness is built. Um, it's built in the weight room. It's built um, through observation and rewarding those who show mental toughness and again i think all of our coaches are that uh, are are oriented that way we have we will as a coaching staff over time um, grow together more we will understand more about um, you know the, the head coach's philosophy we will operate more efficiently with more flow together in time so i'm not trying to act like in, that in year two we have all the answers as far as developing mental toughness and and uh, our good cop bad cop roles or, or whatever other analogy is used but we're we're working at that diligently question for coach lamb from uh, at chaplain schumann on twitter hashtag ccbyu coach lamb do you turn to music at all to help you get through a rough patch um yeah you're, yeah, a, you're a musician at heart yeah i do we we uh we do we have um We've got a music in our our safety uh, room. We listen to music while we're watching video. We uh, listen to music in in preparation as a defensive staff and have music uh, piped in. And obviously, we've got to keep it lower than the conversation so that we can have conversation moving forward. But yeah, we we really do. And I like a variety of things. We have uh, uh, ongoing uh, kind of a a Pandora mix channel, if you will, where each of our coaches gets to, to pick a genre so we get different music coming up. When you're in the safety room, uh, do the play? Is there a rotation of people who get to choose the playlist for that day? Or are you kind of the boss of music in the safety room? <laughs> they are. Well, yeah. Initially, I just called on guys and and uh, realized that some of the guys are getting a little bit embarrassed, you know, teasing each other. And so now I just just will walk in the room and say, okay, who's got some guts today? You know, throw it out there. What do you want to <laughs> listen to? And then you know, if I, once in a while, I'll just kind of. You know, act act the part on the, the shtick, and if I feel like we've had a poor practice, I say you guys are you guys are listening to music that I want to listen to today, and then it's usually classic rock. Okay, from uh, from meeting room to on field. Before the break, here real quickly, who would you like to maybe ID from the safety room of guys who have been uh, performing well relative to assignments and performance, and uh, and giving you what you like? 
I really like the, uh, the the concentration level that Micah displayed uh, last game. Um, made a lot of um, checks in our coverage and improved his concentration from from one week to the next. Um, Zane um, Zane Anderson graded out really highly. Those two guys He's played very active most start, of the though. game. They yeah. they both made a lot of tackles. Um, I, I don't remember the number of tackles that they racked up together. They weren't really challenged, um, you know, in in the passing concepts that uh, that Mississippi State threw at us. Based on the coverages that we that we were in, um, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that there was a, an amazing a championship effort or anything like that by the safeties, but I, I felt like that they tackled really well and very soundly, and that that was their role on that day. Okay, a couple more special teams notes and a look ahead to ECU when we come back. It is Greg Rubel with Ed Lamb as we're talking special teams and other stuff on the coordinator's corner. Coach Tuiaki, defensive coordinator, coming up a few moments from now. We're at JCW's in Provo for the coordinator's corner. Coach Lamb till the bottom of the hour. Coach Tuiaki at 12.30. Back after this on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football, Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Right to 1-6 and six, BYU visiting 1-6 and six, ECU this Saturday night. It'll be a 3 o'clock Mountain Time pregame, 5 o'clock Mountain Time kick for the Cougars and the Pirates. The loser of this game is, in, is assured of finishing with a sub-500 regular season record, and BYU wants to be on the plus side of that and get bowl eligible by the end of this thing. And Coach Lamb, uh, that is now uh, the defined finish line. Six wins in six games puts you in bowl eligibility, and that's what you'd like to uh, say for a 13th straight season at BYU, and so it's out there. That's right. Yeah, and and you know you and I talk about it. We've we've talked about this before, but that's, that's certainly the goal. It needs to be simply stated at the beginning of the week, and then right back to preparing for East Carolina. We're we're not. Uh, there's no way for us to get uh, six victories this weekend. There's just one victory out there for us, and we have to fight like heck for it. A couple of special teams tidbits back from this past weekend. Uh, the punt game and Johnny Linhan in particular uh, did its job for the most part in Starkville. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought the punt team played uh, really well. There were some some heavy rush looks by Mississippi State, and we protected it well. Got the block, the uh, punt off, and then um, yeah, some some good coverage down the field. We had one opportunity. Got to Corey Edwards in the game was a left footed punter. We yeah. rolled rolled left, see if maybe the fake was there, and he made a good decision. Mississippi State had it had it recognized and and well defended, and, and that ended up being a forty five yard punt that was downed near the ten uh, yard line of the opponent. So there were some really good pins in there. We got some good field position advantage after our punts. We don't think of Corey as a rugby punt guy in terms of the look, but you were looking yeah. maybe to see if the fake was there, and then so that's why he kind of shuffled out to his uh, to his left. I guess. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's not he's not the smoothest guy at that. He, what we look for in the coaching was give us an adequate punt. You know, try to extend the operation time, give the guys a chance to get down the field, take a look and see if the fake is there. It's definitely going to be a light rush off of that side, but if you know if they've got it defended, then get the ball down down the field and let us cover it. And that he did. Uh, we had uh, Johnny Linehan effective as we talked about Corey with the one uh, career long uh, thirty eight yard field goal by Rhett Allman. That's a modest number, 38, but it is his career long, mm-hmm. and he's been, over the course of his career, percentage-wise, a very effective kicker when you give him the looks. He has, and and hopefully his confidence grew on that, that kick. That kick would have been good, good from, from 48. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. up near the top of the uprights there. So excellent job by him. I thought the, field goal, the whole field goal unit really executed that really well. The protection was good, and uh, the snap holding kick was all really in good timing. We're looking for 1.35 seconds or less. It was right at that mark. Now, because it was so deep on the kick, it, it would have been good from at least 10 yards longer, at least I thought when I yeah. saw it. Um, give you any pause about 
trotting him out there in in longer situations like that. Oh, he's our he's our best kicker. He's our he's our best chance. Really, uh, the the criteria that I always look for is, is based on practice and how how we're kicking a little bit of criteria for how we're kicking in the pregame on that particular surface. I want to give the head coach an idea when we feel like that we can be seventy five percent or better in terms of our of our chances. When it starts to get less than than three out of four or seventy five percent, then then really uh, you know it's it's more four down territory. Offense can be successful as well on on a fourth down and then lead to the opportunity potentially for seven points. So I I've always felt like that three out of four is the target that we're getting to. And I feel like we're we're as we approach right now inside the thirty uh, between the 25 and the 30 is where you know, we can get, based on that day and based on that week of practice and how we're doing, I think we can get uh, we can get a field goal executed in that mark. Whether field goal or PAT, uh, Rhett Allman's career percentage numbers are very much near the top of BYU kickers all time in uh, in the two seasons he's had really to show his uh, show his thing. All right, uh, you rep- we talked about the field goal or rather the fumble return on the kickoff. That's a special teams play. Uh, no special teams penalties in Starkville either. So there were some good things you had on in your unit on on Saturday. Some good things. Area to improve is, is still the, the punt return, kickoff return game. Hasn't gotten loose yet. So yeah. close. Um, so close on two occasions and uh, just just mistakes, errors, and I just need to do a better job of coaching that. We, that is going to be a critical piece moving forward for our opportunity as a team to win games, and it's absolutely been unacceptable. Okay. We will look at ECU a little bit as we head out, and uh, we referenced the passing game earlier, and uh, number five, uh, 85, Devon Grayson, is an excellent receiver among the national leaders in uh, yards per game uh, total yardage uh, receiving touchdowns and through the air is where this team moves it yeah they're fabulous in their passing game they're the, the thing about them is they're com- they know what their identity is and they're committed to getting the ball in the air and committed to getting the ball to their top receivers so it'll be a real challenge for our guys it's it's a game where really i think i think we ought to see what's coming not not in terms of particular plays but uh you know we've talked a couple of times about getting geared up for pass rush and getting geared up for for pass coverage and that's so difficult when a team is kind of uh, shoving it down your throat so um, it's, it always starts with run defense, and it will this week. But if we can get them into some passing situations, it'll just be a great opportunity for our guys to match up against a very capable team. Every team has gotten after ECU uh, offensively. That is, their defense allows a lot of numbers, uh, points, and yardage. If this offense is going to turn it around, this kind of has to be the week, right? Um, yes. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Every, every week has to be the week, and, and this is the, this is this week. And I hope there are some opportunities there. I usually don't get around to watching the opponent's defense until uh, Monday evening, and so I haven't I haven't taken an honest look at them yet. I have seen a, a couple of um, you know as I'm watching their their offense. I see some some second and third quarter scores really tight against really good teams, and the final score of those games has been more of a blowout. So I'm wondering if if a real key for us is not to keep the hammer down. Like BYU, ECU's played two ranked teams, and uh, like BYU, ECU's got a top 30 strength of schedule right now. So similar teams in similar ways uh, going after this Saturday. Coach Lamb, we'll see you later in the week. Thanks, Rick. All right, that's Ed Lamb. Elisha Tuiaki's next. You're on the Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Back after this. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are at JCW's for the Coordinator's Corner. Hashtag CCBYU is what you use to ask a question of Coach Tuiaki here in the second half hour. We are with Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach for our second half hour. E, good to see you again. Welcome back. Good to be back. Thank you. Okay, a couple of aesthetics issues to cover. First up. 
uh, facial hair. I notice, and people can tell maybe hopefully out there, that you have the, the start, start of a mustache going. Is that a uh, – you, you called it the rally mustache. Grow it till you win it or keep on going with it? That's, that's the rally mustache. We've got to keep going until we win. I just started it this morning. I just woke up and, and looked in the mirror. I was like, I didn't I need to shave. And then I started shaving. I was like, we're going to keep the mustache on until we can win. And so I let the D-line know. And it sounds like they're all going to jump on board, but we'll see. But this is really just kind of me. <laughs> You know, trying Doing to, something. Try, try to do something in this situation. We gotta, we gotta rally and, and uh, start stringing them together. If we can so, to get to a bowl game. So we're gonna keep it all within the grooming standards, obviously. But the mustache is gonna happen. Maybe a little Fu Manchu going for you. Do you I think? don't know how low I can go. I gotta check the grooming standards. I don't really know. I've always <laughs> shaved, but uh, if we can, we can get it Fu Manchu-ish. Then uh, we'll go ahead and try to hang them low. You've got the good start of it. Uh, you're also wearing a pretty cool cap. It's a tour, a PGA Tour Championship ball cap from East Lake. Uh, tell us how you got that and why it's on. Well, it was, uh, the the it, the championship was during our bye week, and so we were able to go out and do a little bit of recruiting, and then you know our head coach kicked us out and told us to go and and uh, enjoy our family. And so there was uh, somebody that was uh, going down, one of Reno's relatives, uh, and they ended up having a private jet, so we were able to go just for a day, fly in and and uh, watch it and follow Tony Fino around. You know, big fan of his. And uh, went to dinner with him at uh, that night, and then after that came back the next morning. You told me your association with Tony is rather recent. Just recent, yeah. You know, just uh, started started playing golf really maybe about four four or five years ago, and really got into it. Now I now I follow it, and just big big fan now. And what, what what Tony has done within the Polynesian community is really something else. I mean, he's a superstar. Yeah, yep. It's he's uh, we're all we're all proud of him in the Polynesian community. But I mean, he's he's doing big things, and so it's fun to follow him. Let's not forget Brother Gipper. I mean, Gipper's got his own set of skills, and then the, those two brothers are really a unique combo. Yeah, yep. I, I was able to actually play with Gipper in one of the in the the Mortal Life Foundation in St. George. He was on our team, and so we won. <laughs> um, but uh, I played with Tony uh, once as well. It's just fun to watch him play. I mean, just unbelievable power and uh precision i mean just watch even just going to the tour championship i'm just watching all those guys i mean the top 30 in the world different level uh, it's a different so level. different so, yeah, yeah so cool so fun to be a part of just and you love the game you it. say no, you, you got into it recently love you the love game. it yeah love the game um, i'm not very good i'm getting better but uh strongest part of your game what is it it's all below average all across the board so i don't <laughs> what do you like it, to do most hit it or, or I hit mean, on the greens? Like, like to pull a long stick out and see if i can you know it'll go 20 yards on the ground and burn up a couple of worms or it'll it'll go you know really really far in the air so just it's hit and miss but just to feel like uh you can kind of get it out and hit it far is it's always fun all right uh, this season for byu uh, i guess we'll call it hit and miss with a few more misses than uh, than would be desired at this point at one and six but uh, you already talked about it uh, the goal is here to get six in six and get yourself back to the postseason yeah we've we've got you know in the middle of it you got to reassess your goals and figure out where you're at and uh you know shuffle things around uh, on the current team especially with a lot of guys being down and gone and and uh we, we've got to get to six that's the goal right now okay the on on the lot of guys being down and gone part uh coaches are really hesitant to talk a lot about injuries whether what they are or the effect they're having but it is a fact you've had a large number of injuries this year in the two deep among the starters guys who've missed games it's a real thing and every team has to deal with it but it's really hit you guys hard this year it it has and you know like what you mentioned we don't we don't really talk much about injuries but uh you know last night got the injury report an email and just kind of sat down and read it's like page after page after page of just different people going through different things and 
you know, some of them uh, season in, uh, season ending and some of them are still kind of battling. And some of them come back and are playing some snaps but aren't, aren't 100%. And, you know, we appreciate their toughness. But just it's it's different when you get a guy that uh, that isn't 100%, you know, not confident as well as playing a lot of snaps on defense as well as not winning. I mean, all those things start kind of putting a lot of doubt in guys' minds and the way that they play. And and uh, we've got we've to kind of bring it back together and just – um, you know, reassess where we're at and, and uh, try to do what we're good at. How much is patience important right now? And are you confident the patience gets rewarded at some point down the line? Yeah. You know, right now there's there's a lot of, lot of different people have different uh, uh, suggestions, you know. And uh, fortunately and unfortunately for myself, I've, I've been here before, you know, on different teams. And so it's it's really just sticking to it. You have a plan. You stick to it. Um, you know, you continue to refine what you're doing and uh, and uh, just keep pushing forward. I mean, things like this happen. You, I just read a recent article on Michigan State. You know, they were, they won three last year and looking really, really bad, and now they have 5-1 and one and uh, ranked. You know, it's the same thing with TCU. They lost, I think they only – I can't remember what theirs was not as bad. But, you know, t- and t- teams go through things like that, and especially when you're losing a lot of key, key players, um, you know, difficult to win games with a tough schedule. But – We've got to find a way to win is the bottom line. What's the strongest part of your core belief about the ultimate successes this team and this program will have moving forward? Uh, I'm sorry. What's the strongest part of your core belief when it comes to the success you hope this team does have eventually this season and moving forward? What gives you the most hope for the future? You know, um, a lot of, lot of youth, youth uh, development really um, is probably the thing. And so... And it's not just on guy. You you probably don't see a lot of them. A lot of it is just on the scout team and guys that um, we we're deciding right now to just you know we have seven games left. But we're going to continue to redshirt them and and uh, give them a chance to come back and play a full season. So the the youth as well as just uh, some of the guys that are, are coming back, um, being able to come back and refine what they're doing and just be better at it. All right, that's Coach Elisa Tuiaki in our opening segment. More with Coach coming up after this. If you'd like to be with us and join us with a question for Coach Tuiaki, you can give us a uh, Twitter question at hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYUCC for Coordinator's Corner. This is the Coordinator's Corner, live at JCW's in Provo on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Back in a bit. From JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars. Greg Rubel. I am here with Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach for our second half of the Coordinator's Corner. Appreciation to Coach Lamb being with us in the first half hour next week. It'll be Coach E and Coach Ty Detmer, the OC. Questions from Twitter for Coach uh, Tuiaki. This one coming in from uh, at Chaplain Schumann. Cougar Chaps for Coach Tuiaki. Outside of BYU, he asks, do you talk to defensive mentors to continue growing professionally and getting ideas for improvement? If so, whom? I think you know most of the discussion with with mentors and just other people are um, are in the off season, um, and you know sometimes we'll kind of call uh, somebody that's doing something similar, and we normally call um, you know coaches that we know that have played the, the the team that we're getting ready to play, and just kind of ask what their philosophy was going in and all that stuff. But for the most part, um, a lot of big you know schematic changes are in the off season and not during the season. Okay. This from uh, at BYU Butler. Coach Tuiaki, love these players and the coaches, but please blitz more. We need more momentum and pressure. How do you feel about the blitz and getting uh, extra people on the uh, on the quarterback? Uh, it's uh, you, you end up you end up giving giving up one to get the other, and so um, you know if you're going to blitz more, it's got to hit 
or else you're giving up more coverage. You know what I mean? And so um, we've always felt we can keep everything in front of us and make them earn it down the field, um, you know, and, and take calculated risks as far as when we're going to blitz. But uh, what we don't want to do is is get into, you know, situations where we're blitzing, they're holding up in the blitz, and the quarterback's sitting back there, and we don't have too many people covering because then that's when big plays happen. And so, you know, there, there's a, there's a, we gave up a couple big plays um, in the past, and it's really just a guy getting beat one-on-one or whatever the case is. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past. When you're playing man-to-man coverage, you're going to get beat a couple times down the field and and uh you know that's what it is but um you know we we not giving up a lot of long runs but we're kind of getting nickeled and dimed in the run game and so um felt feel like we're being sound right now in the run game to try to force everything but we need to be more stout so yeah so mississippi state you hit it right there uh i think their long runs 19 yards but they average six yards a carry and it seemed like pretty much every carry has been like five and ten yards kind yeah. of all game long uh, they really gashed you on the ground. Hasn't happened a lot to you guys. The Air Force was the last team to run for 300 yards against BYU, and that was seven years ago. So these games don't come around a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you assess the overall defensive performance in Starkville? You know, we, we weren't. I mean, that's exactly what it was. We, we Going back and looking at it, there's a couple of schematic things that we felt like we needed to change or, or just uh, weren't sound or need to be better at. But a lot of it was just uh, alignment, assignment technique. I mean, just things that we can fix. And, and so, um, you know, again, being banged up, not being able to rotate as many D linemen was always, you know, is this is the first time uh, really ever that I've seen Sonatakitaki tap his helmet saying, I'm tired, I'm gassed, I need to come out. Huh. Um, and we're just, you know, just kind of thin in certain spots and, and, uh, when you're when you're not when you're kind of giving things up in the run game, you're not playing, uh, getting off the field on third downs. Um, you know everything just starts to change, right? You not as comfortable in your technique up front, and so you start trying something different, which gives up a little bit more. And so it's just we've got to just kind of hone it back in, like I said, and just bring it back and just be just 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 play our ball and everybody just trust what they're doing. Bulldogs made eight of 13 third downs, kept you on the field quite a bit for the game, or rather for the season right now. Last year, your first year, your defense was on the field and. Average of about 27 minutes and 20 seconds per game. This year, it's already up over 35 minutes. That's eight extra minutes of plays per game. And it's, some people say it's about plays more than it is time, but the fact is, uh, you're spending a lot more time on the field than you were last year. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not getting out of third downs. Um, we're not creating enough takeaways, and that uh, you know, as a whole, obviously, when the offense has got to produce and so in order to do that when the offense is on the field we were rested on defense and and uh, able to keep the, the the starters in there for longer instead of rotating them but you're in there for a big majority of the time on defense and you have to really dig deep especially against no huddle teams into your second third fourth fourth string guys and and uh, it always shows on, on the stats as far as how stout you are in defense and and uh, you know just not not being as good now you want a three takeaway day you got a three takeaway day in Starkville Diane Gumwalaku two long INT returns and then a fumble uh, kick a fumble uh, rather a fumble recovered on a kickoff return which goes for special teams but either way that's three possessions that now start in the Bulldog side of the field, and of those three possessions, BYU got only seven points. And points off of those turnovers is as, is as big a deal as the turnovers themselves. Yeah, I mean, we've got to cash in. And offense knows that. We've got to capitalize on opportunities that uh, that we gain as a team, you know, when we get the ball. And so um, I know, you know, we, we talk about that as a staff. Offense got to be better at that and, and uh, putting up points and sustaining drives and, and all that, and it all kind of goes together. Did you think Diane was going to house that first pick? I was teasing him this morning. As a matter of fact, he got a uh, somebody else got a pick on the other side in our in our practice this morning, and I started yelling, "Follow your blockers!" 
and I was looking for Diane, and I was like, follow your blockers. Just yelling right at him, looking at him. He's like, why are you looking at me? I was like, follow your blockers. What did you see when you went back and looked at it, either live or went back and looked at it? What was Diane seeing on that one, the first long one? I don't know what he was seeing. You know, he had the quarterback with an angle, but Corbin was in front blocking for him. So if he would have just stuck a head fake inside. Stayed on the sideline, let Corbin take care of the cube that you're talking about? Or just just head fake inside, just slow the quarterback down, and then then follow Corbin. Corbin would have blocked for him. There there was nobody else. He said he cut I'm it sure, inside. I'm sure yeah. he's, he's kicking himself more than anybody else right now, but uh, that should have been a pick six. Yeah. It felt like it when he picked it off in the end zone. He was off to the races. Ended up a little short of the end zone, and yeah. uh, BYU again had three turnovers, putting the offense on on uh, the field in, in a good place, and, and, and just seven points were the outcome. Want to hit linebackers for a little bit. Um, Butch was back after missing a week, but he's playing with a, a club on an injured hand. Fred left the game and thankfully came back in, nothing too long-term. Man, your linebacking core has been beat up this year, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah we're, and we're going deep into that, you know, uh, Kujay Tapasaw. You had no Johnny at, uh, at, at, uh, he, at the he, uh, State. Yeah, he, he, he got hurt early on in the week and still traveled just to see if he could be ready, but just uh, wasn't 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 ready to, to play yet at that point. And so, um, you know, a lot of guys down the line ended up playing, which was – you know, great for them to show showcase their talent, but uh, really hurting at that spot right now. Yeah, Matt Hadley posted last week on social how he's had surgery, and uh, again another guy that was a safety went to your group and is out at linebacker too. So you've had to go deep, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and you know we're got got uh, Morgan didn't play Morgan Unga didn't play this last game, but he'll be back for this one. You know, Grant ended up stepping up and playing, and you know his time away at receiver kind of showed a little bit as far as just um, you know some of the things that he was missing as far as you know playing linebacker, and so. Um, we just got to continue to get better at that spot. Chaz is getting some reps. How's he doing? Chaz got some reps, and he, he got banged got up in too. the game, too. Yeah. Yep, and so he didn't finish the game either. So we've got to assess where he's at. It's, it's been rough at linebacker for sure. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back with our final segment with Coach Tuiaki. If you'd like to join us on social media, use the hashtag CCBYU. CC for Coordinator's Corner. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We are live at JCW's in Provo every Monday, 12 to 1, here on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. I am with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. Last segment of the program for today. Back with you next Monday, 12-1 to with coaches Tuiaki and uh, Detmers. We go defense and offense uh, next week. All right, the D-line, your area of responsibility. Uh, how's your D-line performing overall? How's it coming along? And... Uh, uh, improvements that have been made or you'd like to see still be made here moving down the stretch yeah there's you know with the d-line it's always technique it's, i mean what the, what they do is is fairly simple as far as their assignments um but everything is technique and it's and it's uh block reading and reacting and so um you know during the game felt like they were the ones that were costing us you know and just kind of challenging on the sideline about being more stout and all that um, you know, we could come back and watch film. It, it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, there there was a lot of good reps, but then just a lot of reps where um, guys were just tired, just beat, just kind of mauled into the ground, and and uh, you know they were they were fighting their butts off and and uh, doing a good job that way. But we've you know. The, the truth is we've got to be more stout and we've got to get off the field um if we can be stout and get off the field then we'll have you know we'll have all guys that that we need to play with and and uh they'll they'll be better instead of just playing tired and just kind of surviving instead of attacking you've seen secO lines pac 12 o lines big 10 o lines here in the first number of weeks you're not going to see those lines again this year do you expect that to have something to say about how you guys play up front heading down the stretch 
Uh, you know, the, the expectation always still the same, but, uh, you know, honestly, and everybody all, all, you know, everybody looks at it and, and sees the difference. I think the biggest difference between conferences, between people you play, is the front, the front, the, the O-line and the D-line. Yeah. Um, the size and, uh, you know, when we're playing East Carolina, they're, they're, they're as fast as any team that we've seen, I think, from everything that I've seen so far. They, they have the capability to be explosive on offense um, with their perimeter guys. Now, um, the, the the front is good, but they're not what we've seen in the past weeks, and it's just just size and and athleticism and and uh, those types of things. So I think that we ma- match up well. We've got to make sure that we take advantage of matchups that we think we're favorable in. Now Ty Detmer can speak to the fact that uh, ECU's defense is allowing 50 points per game and 600 yards per game. So the BYU offense should be expected to do some things this week. Now, from your standpoint, you're looking at the ECUO. Now, ECU is 1-6. and six. They are struggling as a team, but the one thing they can do and do well is sling it. They move it through the air, ton of first downs, a lot of yards, standout wide receiver. What do you like from what you see so far from them? They're they're really athletic, you know. I think that they're really athletic, and they do they do uh, some things schematically. Um, that's kind of a cross between what we just saw against Mississippi State as well as from LSU. You know, a lot of the fly sweep stuff they do. Not so um, much RPO though, right? No, they'll, they'll do RPOs as well. The quarterback isn't as capable, but yeah, uh, yeah. but they still do RPOs and a lot of um, you know zone read bubble stuff and and uh, you know screen slants, all that stuff. So they do everything. How mobile is he? They're, uh you know, he's not as mobile. The last guy was was, was Fitzgerald's really good special. Runner. Yeah. yeah, he's a really good runner. He's he's not he's not a slug, but he's he he can run. Okay. They they have plays that are meant for him to run so um you know anytime that you have a, a coordinator that thinks quarterback run game then you know that they're willing to to run the quarterback and and even risk hurting him um it, then you know that they're being really really aggressive which that, that's what their scheme is they go to 85 a lot the wide out who's uh, among the nation's leaders in receiving right now yeah good player good player i mean just we haven't uh, been able to sit down as a staff and watch a lot of it, but just you know, watching some of the film, um, just you know, leading up to now, I think that they they are very capable. You know, so just going in and, and thinking, okay, this team is one and six. Let's see what they have. When I threw the film on, I was like, well, dude, they're good too. Like they're really good. They they they're a good offense, and I haven't seen them on defense, but they had there's capability of um, a lot of scoring. And then when you see some of the teams that they've played that are yeah. good, like Virginia Tech and those other ones, they're in it all the way in the third quarter, yeah. and then the other teams start to pull away late. And so we've got to we've got to play well. Yeah, like like you guys, they've played a couple of ranked teams too in their schedule. It's nothing is n- n- nothing to sneeze at. They've had a good schedule too. So there's a you know you're, it's not going to be your problem, but the fans. I hope fans realize just because they're one and six and and people have gotten after them quite a bit. They're going to look at this game as an opportunity for them as well as, you know, here comes a struggling BYU team. You've got to be yeah. aware of that. Yeah, and they're probably looking the same, you know, looking. We're struggling a little bit on offense, and they're, you know, they're defensive. Uh, defensively, they're struggling. So just matchups-wise, we've got to make sure that, that we're stopping them on offense because they, they are capable of scoring a lot of points, and um, our, our offense has got to score, and that's the bottom line. How, how important is it just right now to get a result that you can feel good about? I mean, it's been six weeks. It's, it's a hard deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't bring the mustache out until now. I think it's time, you know. The rally mustache is out. We've got we've got to go. We've we've got to string some some wins together, and we've got to we've got to put this thing together in order for us to go to a bowl game. We need to see what happens once you get one. But if you got to win, say this Saturday, uh, the chance that it that it creates a, a, a you know some momentum for you that then you say okay now we're back home get another result and then this thing becomes real because right now six wins seems too far away it's it's about getting one in greenville yeah, this saturday we, we got to get this one 
Um, and we're going to definitely help out with the, the confidence and just feeling like we're doing things the right way because, you know, we are. And there's, you know, there's we've got to capitalize and we've got to, we've got to make sure that everybody's doing their job. But uh, to come away with a win and feel like, okay, you know, the plan's not broken. It's just we've got to refine where we need to refine and just, uh, you know, get the right guys on the field and get things moving. Uh, I think that's going to be huge for us. How much harder is your job right now and Kalani's job at 1-6 and six than it was, say, at 0-0? Zero and zero? Or is it the same job? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the same job. There's, there's more more people in your ear, especially when you go to church on Sunday. <laughs> but uh, it's it's the same job. It's it's uh, trying to keep the spirits high, you know, and try to make sure that everybody's giving their best efforts. And and uh, you know, you you don't like to talk about wins and losses, and that's what matters. But really, what matters most is. Are you getting the most out of your players? Are they playing hard? Are they giving good effort? Are they doing well in the classroom? And we got to keep that in perspective, too. You know, a lot of times you start kind of getting down on players who aren't playing well but are doing really well off the field and things that you, you know, you talk about at the beginning of the season, and then when it actually comes down to it, you got to continue to preach it when it matters. How much does BYU pride kick in, for lack of a better term? Like at BYU, they're not used to losing, say, six in a row or being one in six. That there's a, like each guy comes into it saying, now I am BYU and we as a group, we know we're better than we're showing right now. Is there a fact, is, is that a real thing? Can that come into play? You talking about with the players or players, alumni? Uh, players right now, the guys that are on the team saying, "Yeah, this is us. This is you know, we're better than we're showing," kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think they all have that belief, you know, um, and, and it's kind of hard because they all believe that, but at the same time, we're asking them to stay in their lane and do their job, you know. And so I think that that's probably the harder thing is is uh, trust the guy next to you, let him do his job, you do your job, and we'll do this all together because it's a team sport. And but but I, I definitely no lack of belief on on the players' part. Well, the next chance to uh, show that belief and get a positive result comes uh, Saturday in Green Valley. You ever been to that, uh, that neck of the woods? Never been there. Never been to Mississippi. A lot of, a lot of first times. These are new experiences. All right, we'll see how it goes for the Cougars Saturday at uh, 3 o'clock for our pregame and 5 o'clock for our kick. Those are mountain times, 7 o'clock Eastern for the kick back there at the Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville for BYU and ECU. For Coach Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb, I'm Greg Rubel. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Coordinator's Corner live at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 9. 16 BYU Football Facebook Live. So long.